This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. When I think of home, I think about my home. I think about where I lived as a child. It was in Middle Tennessee. We lived on a ridge, a some people even call it a mountain. And Dad built a house on top of that hill. That's a special place to me. Not long ago, my youngest brother and I took a trip, and we walked all over that farm. Memories. What are your memories of home? If you were to think about all the memories you have of home, what are they today? We, we want to think about that today all the good memories that you have about home and what they can do for us as we study about a man in the Bible who had some sons and what he did for one of those sons. Please stay tuned today. I'm Billy Lambert. I'm the speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible, and I'd like to welcome you to the telecast today. Thank you for tuning in. And we offer a free Bible correspondence course that you may not be uh, uh, familiar with. And we're going to pause long enough that you can learn more about it, how you can receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Today I want to call your attention to a text in the 15th chapter of Luke's Gospel. It's a text likely that you are familiar with. And, and, and it begins reading in verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed his swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. This is a portion of a reading that we sometimes call the reading about the prodigal son. And this is one of the most divinely tender, humanly touching stories there is in all of literature. And it has a universal appeal. And I think the reason that it has a universal appeal 
because all of us can say, I've been there or that's me. We want to think about the home of this man, the prodigal son, the son that went off into the far country. We want to think about his home. It was someone said, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And indeed, there is no place like home. Uh, and, and there were problems this home. Every home has problems in it. It may be that I'm speaking to someone right now who has problems in your home. Maybe there are problems with the parents in the, your home. Maybe you're having a problem with your husband. Maybe you're having a problem with your wife. But so many people are having problems with their children today. And there are a lot of good children in our country. There are a lot of good children throughout the world. But there are children that cause their problems, cause their parents to have problems and headaches and heartaches. And so today we're going to be looking at the home of the boy that we call the prodigal son. And what kind of a home did he have? And it wasn't without its problems. There was a problem he had with his brother. There was a problem that he had wanting his freedom. But we want to think about that home. And I am convinced beyond a doubt that it was memories of his home that brought him back after he had gone. First of all, I want us to note that the home of this young man was a place where free will could be exercised. Notice that he said to his father, Give me, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. Isn't that childlike? (laughs) If your children ever said to you, Give me, give me, give me, Daddy. Give me, Mama. Give me, give me. Well, he came and he says, Give me that portion of goods that fall. He wanted his inheritance. That's what he's asking. So the father gave him his inheritance. And he was able to leave home. Can can you imagine the scene when this young man left home? Someone pictured him like this. I heard a preacher preaching one time, and this is the way he, he pictured him as leaving. There he is sitting on top of a, of a white stallion, ready to go off into the far country, to the world. And, and he's going to conquer the world. And all of his friends come out to see him off. His family comes to see him off. Well, I don't know how he left. But I know this. He was, he was, not, he was allowed to leave home. And he, he went off into the country, the far country, and wasted his father's inherit, the inheritance he'd received from his father. Now, our children at some point in their life are going to leave home. I think the hardest part that, that, is, that in raising our three children was that time in their lives when they got old enough to leave home. And, and you know, we didn't say, well, no, you're not ever going to leave. We allowed them to exercise freedom of choice and freedom of will. There are parents that tell their children, you're going to do what I tell you to do, and when I tell you to do it, for as long as I tell you to do it. And I think you're making a mistake. There comes a point in the child's growth and development when they become adults 
that they have to exercise their freedom of choice, exercise their freedom of will. And part of that is leading home. And some of you watching now have experienced the empty nest syndrome. That's pretty hard, especially on mothers. It's hard on dads as well, because I've been there and done that. But, but it's hard on mothers. Can you imagine how this boy's mother felt when he left home? Not knowing where he was. See, she couldn't pick up the cell phone and call him and say, well, where are you tonight, son? No, no. She didn't know. But they let him exercise his freedom of choice. His home was also a place where children are blessed. And he says, give me my portion of goods. And the text says, listen to it now. He divided unto them his living, that is, between this boy and his, other, and his brother. He divided, uh, he was blessed. Have you ever thought about how blessed that young man was when he was at home? Well, he had a father and mother that loved him. He had a roof over his head. He had food to eat. He had clothing to wear. He had shoes on his feet. How truly, truly blessed he was. Sometimes we take our blessings for granted. That is, things that pertain to our families and our homes. One night I was called out late to, to go to a home. A telephone call. Someone had been shot. I went out to the home. And sure enough, someone had been shot. It did not kill them, but they had been shot. And there was a teenage girl that was a member of that family. And she started walking down the road. I went to her and I said, where are you going? She said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm getting away from this place. I said, exactly where do you think you're planning to go? She says, well, I think I'm going to Florida. I says, and, well, I said, well, you need to know that there are going to be guys down there watching for you as soon as you get off of the bus. She told me she was going to ride a bus to Florida. And I says, they're going to try to get you and they'll put you into prostitution. They'll get you into drugs and all kinds of other things. And when you get sick, who's going to pay for your medical bills? When you get hungry, who's going to fill you, your stomach with food? Who's going to buy your clothes? She hadn't thought about all of that. You know what she did? She turned around she went on back home. Our children are so blessed. I wish I could explain to our children, your children, my children, my grandchildren, how truly blessed they are. I think of a statement in the Psalms, Psalms 103 and verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't ever forget the benefits of God, the blessings of God. Our children are blessed. We're blessed in our homes. If you have a roof over your head, if you have a place to lay down at night, if you have food to eat, you see, all of those are the necessities of life. And there are people, even in America, 
who don't have a place to sleep at night. They sleep on the streets. They, they may sleep out beside some interstate somewhere with their children. You see how blessed this young man was? Our children are blessed. I was preaching one time in the state of Mississippi. And at the close of a service, a woman comes to me and she says, let me show you the picture of my granddaughter. And she showed me the picture of a little child. It was a beautiful little child from China. Her son and daughter had gone to China and had adopted this child. And she said this child was found by the side of the road. Given away, left by its parents by the side of the road. All because she's a girl. Oh, how blessed our children are. This young man grew up in a home and, and he left a home where he was a blessed young man. Let me tell you something else about his home. It was a place of good memories. You remember, he went off into the far country and he was in the, he was in the pig pen. He, he went and joined himself to a certain citizen of that land. He sent him into the field to feed the swine. He fain would have filled his belly with the husk the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And that's when he came to himself and said, What servant of my father's has food enough to spare, and I perish with hungry, hunger? I, I've often thought, that it was the memory of home that caused that young man to return home. What he remembered about his father, what he remembered about his mother, what he remembered about the servants in his father's house, how he remembered how blessed they were. And here he was destitute. You see, he had to hit the bottom to realize what he had. And then that's when he made his way back home. And I believe with all of my heart, it was, the, it was the memories that carried him back home. Let me ask you a question. What kind of memories are you building for your children? Father, mother, grandfather, grandmother. Well, what kind of, what kind of memories are you building for your children, your grandchildren? You ought to build some of the most precious memories, the sweetest memories at all. I have memories of my childhood and my parents. I have memories of my dad. Dad was working two jobs trying to make a living for us. Trying to keep food on the table, worked hard. And I remember my mother, a sweet, godly woman. I'll tell you something we never asked on the Lord's Day, that is on Sunday at our house. We never asked this question, are we going to church today? You know why we never asked that question? Because we already knew we were going to church that day. 
We never asked that question. I remember that. There were things my dad would not allow me to do on Sunday. I didn't understand it then. Uh, sometimes I still wonder whether or not he did right, but he wouldn't let me shoot my fire, firecrackers or my cap gun on Sunday. As I got older, he would not allow me to go fishing on Sunday. He said, son, th this is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. We ought to spend it for the Lord and not for ourselves. And, and I fear that we've lost a great deal of reverence along that line in the home today. But those are the kind of, we need to be building memories and those kinds of memories that we instill in our children to have love for God and respect for God. Home ought to be a place of memories. That, that's what brought that boy back. The memories that he had of his home. What kind of memories are your children going to have? I think I've dealt with people long enough. I think I've preached long enough to know the kind of memories that some will have. So some will grow up in a home where they have no recollection, no memory at all of ever going to church, of ever seeing a parent pick up a copy of the Bible and read out of the Bible, or ever bending their head in prayer to God, or even offering a blessing for the food that they eat. They'll never ever have a, a, a uh, a remembrance of that, a memory of that. Because that's the last thing that's done in a home, in some homes today. Our children need good memories. Build memories around God. Build memories around Jesus. Build memories around the church. Build memories around the Bible. And the first word children ought to be able to say is this God or maybe Jesus oh home he had a home where there were such good memories what kind of memories have you got building in your home let, let me just point out this passage to verse 20 let me read the whole verse he arose and came to his father when he was yet a great way off his father saw him. He didn't just run. He had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father had compassion on his son. You see, the prodigal's home was a, was a home of compassion. I remember speaking one time and at the close of the service, that is, after I had finished preaching and, and we were singing a song that, that, to give people an opportunity to give their lives to the Lord as a man came forward and sat down on the front seat. And this is what he said. I have not been a very compassionate father. I have not been a compassionate father. You see, that father had a son who had just been arrested and was in jail because he had broken into a pharmacy and I assume taken some drugs out of that pharmacy. But that same father had just buried another son 
who tried to swim across a river, but he didn't make it. And now in bitter tears he says, I've not been a very compassionate father. I was at a loss as to what to say to him. Well, his son that drowned was a fine young Christian boy. And he'll see that boy again. And I asked him, I said, where is your other son? And he said, he's in jail. I said, thank God you know where he is. He's young. He can overcome that. And you can begin to be a dad and show the kind of compassion you need to show to him. Our families, our homes ought to be a place of compassion. I think compassion is the one word that summarizes the ministry of Jesus. I do. And if there's one thing that's needed in, in, in our culture, it's more compassion for one another. And the one place where that compassion ought to be found more than any other place ought to be in our families. That means that we're going to show tenderness to our children, understanding, love. You say, well, does that mean that when they do wrong that you're, you're not going to correct them? No, you're going to correct them because you love them. But we need to correct them with kindness and love and tenderness and compassion. I think about the correction of our children in, in the same way that Paul wrote about the correction of erring, wandering children of God. Like in Galatians 6 and verse 1. He said, Ye who, who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You, you know, before you are unbearing and unbearable with your children, remember, first of all, they are children. And before you become so unyielding with your children and show little compassion, think about yourself when you were their age, when you were a child. We need to be compassionate and kind, understanding and loving. Listen to Ephesians 4 and verse 32. And be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, tender-hearted for forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Folks, if there's any place we ought to practice that verse, it ought to be in our family. We ought to practice it there first. His home was a place of compassion. No doubt the reason some children leave home as soon as they can is because they live with people that act like tyrants and show little love and show little compassion to them. But that wasn't the home 
of this young man. And he had a home where there, it was forgiveness was found. When he, when he came back home, I, I love to read this. The father said, the, the young man made his confession, first of all. He said, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And, and, and instead of the father saying, you know, you're right, son, and you did wrong, and let me tell you where you did wrong, and if you'll follow my rules, you're going to be okay if, to come back home. No, no. The father said, bring a robe and put on him. Not, not the robe of a servant, but the robe of a son. I want you to put a ring on his finger. Not the ring of a servant, but the ring of a son. I want you to put shoes on his feet. Not the shoes of a servant, but the shoes of a son. He said, because this my son was lost. But now he's found. Isn't that a beautiful picture of God? Isn't that a beautiful picture of the way that fathers ought to deal with their children? The father forgave the son. Have you ever thought about forgiveness? How long has it been you consider forgiveness? If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness ought to be a, a, a high watermark, a linchpin as it were in our relationship with our children. And then finally, his was a place of happiness. The father said, I want you to kill the, the calf that we've had waiting to be used for an occasion like this because my son that was lost is found. And the Bible says they began to be make merry. That is, there was happiness. Your home can be a place of happiness. Harmony and happiness in the home. Oh, may God help us to build those kind of homes today. Give your life to Jesus by believing on Him, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him, and by being baptized into Christ. Let me urge you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and pick up the telephone now and call for the free Bible correspondence course right now. Or if you prefer, you can take the course online. Regardless of how you do it, Please take this Bible course. I believe it will change your life. Why don't you get enough of those courses to study it in your home with your wife, your children, your husband, your children. Let's just make it a family affair. I want you to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God you can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.